This is Eric Likes Animals. Well, hi everybody. Uh, welcome to the first ever episode of Eric Likes Animals. To kind of take away the obvious, my name is Eric Mahan and I'll be your host uh, for this little podcast that I'm starting up. Um, and before we begin, why don't I tell you a little bit about myself and how I kind of see this podcast going. So I guess the first thing I should tell you about myself is I spent basically about the same amount of money my parents spent on their mortgage to get a degree in zoo science. That's right. I got a bachelor's degree in zoo science. And some of you might be laughing at that thought right now. But that is exactly the degree that I needed for me to work in the field that I truly love, and that is with animals. I get to do all kinds of amazing things with all kinds of different exotic animals. I get to work on conservation projects, and I get to educate the public about it as well, which I just find awesome. Um, while at college, I got to learn all kinds of really cool things like behavior and training and pathology and just really a lot of cool stuff. So yes, in my soul, I'm a little broken for the thought of how much money I spent on it, but it was still a pretty cool experience. Obviously not for everybody out there because college, need I say more? I guess a little bit more about me is that I've gotten to work in the animal field for well over nine, 10 years now. Wouldn't change a thing about it. Uh, the only thing that kind of sucks right now is COVID because COVID actually has basically taken away one of my more enjoyable things. Within the last two years, I really haven't been able to engage in the public as much as I used to. I love talking to the public, telling them about cool animals, animals they never even heard of. I mean, it's really easy to get people excited about jaguars or bison or giraffe. But I always like a challenge and getting people excited for turtles or snails or certain types of birds and things that they never even knew existed are always things that I love to do and I always find a little more challenging. But because of COVID and social distancing, hasn't really happened as much. So thus, the podcast. However, I will admit that I always wanted to do a podcast well before COVID even started, but just like probably a bunch of you guys out there, I was busy, didn't really feel like I had the time to do it, and also I kind of overthought everything. Thus, the theme of this podcast having no real theme at all except for me talking about animals. Um, however, I will say that maybe every once in a while I might throw in a random plant episode or maybe even a cool conservation one. I like a lot of different things. However, probably food, Star Wars, and Marvel won't make it in. However, I might touch on a little bit about plants and conservation just to kind of broaden our horizons. But don't worry, for the most part, it will be animals. So I'm done talking about myself, and I'm sure you guys are probably done with it as well. Without further ado, I will now introduce the very first animal for my podcast. Many of you are probably pretty interested to know what kind of crazy, amazing animal I chose to hook you guys in and wanting to come back for more. And I probably picked one of the coolest animals out there. 
I know many of you are probably hoping for some sort of big cat or maybe a shark, but it's way cooler than that because the very first animal for my podcast is the Scalyfoot Gastropod. Other names include the Scalyfoot Snail, the Sea Pangolin, or my very personal favorite, the Volcano Snail. Yeah, 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 I know, it's a snail, but this snail is probably one of the coolest animals ever to exist on this earth. And there's four main topics that we're going to discuss that will prove it to you as well. Number one is where it lives. Number two, how it survives. Number three, what it eats. And number four, a more unfortunate one, is why it's endangered. Where it lives... These snails, as one of the names kind of cleverly gives away, lives on what is called hydrothermal vents. Kind of like a volcano, but it spews acid and it's kind of like smoky stuff and a bunch of weird minerals. And it's still super hot and pretty inhospitable for most creatures. And yet, this snail lives on them. But not every single one, because there are probably thousands or millions or I don't know. I don't study geology of these things across the world. These guys, however, only are found on four hydrothermal vents in the Indian Ocean. And not only are they living on these vents and can survive in like 750 degree Fahrenheit waters next to these things that are just spewing out all kinds of chemicals and metals and all kinds of weird stuff. But these vents are also 1.5 miles under the ocean. Like the, these are deep down in the ocean. So there's a lot of weight on top of these little creatures as well. And these guys can survive in just probably one of the most inhospitable environments on planet earth. And just because I, double-checked my phone just a second ago, it only takes 190 degree Fahrenheit to boil water to cook eggs. Yet, these little snails are surviving in water of 750 degrees Fahrenheit. These little guys are surviving in some of the craziest conditions found here on planet Earth. And how they do it is quite remarkable. These snails just like the knights of old, actually build iron armor. And this is the only known creature we know of that actually uses iron in its biology makeup. And with that, these guys can survive in these harsh conditions. And they're taking this iron sulfide that is actually found throughout these hydrothermal vents, and they're using it to add an extra layer of protection over their shell. And not just their shell, but also their bodies as well. Kind of that foot appendage-like uh, thing that comes out of their shell for them to crawl around. That's actually how they got the name scaly foot gastropod or scaly foot snail. Um, or if you guys know what a pangolin is, seen pangolin. And that is because they have these weird-looking scales all over kind of its body when it comes out to kind of uh, roam around. And it also has kind of that iron makeup on it just to add an extra layer of protection for it to survive such heavy pressure of just thinking 1.5 miles of water on top of them, plus these extreme heat. Like, this is one of the worst places for these guys to actually survive in. One of the only few other things that can survive here is bacteria. 
bacteria actually plays a pretty important role for these snails. And that actually leads us on to our next subject is what these guys actually eat. And researchers have come up with a pretty crazy idea, which is they don't. These snails actually have a specialized gland that is full of bacteria that as the snail kind of takes in some of the energy and the heat and all the other stuff that's kind of coming out of these vents, it actually goes to that gland where this bacteria is. And then the bacteria actually basically creates food for itself and the snail. And the best way I can think of of thinking of it is these snails basically have a farm in a gland in their bodies and they need to be near these vents to help feed that farm, which is the only way that these snails can then get food in return. And then of course the bacteria gets to hitch a free ride around and has a snail that basically is constantly giving it all this good material to survive on as well. The snails thus are fairly specialized. You know, they have these iron shells, they have this bacteria, and they basically need to be right on these vents, which actually is their downfall. Any animal that is so focused or so specialized in a certain environment or certain food source actually are the ones that are most probable of having uh, impacts from humans or also being endangered, unfortunately. And as weird as it sounds, Yes, these snails are endangered. Even 1.5 miles down under the ocean on these freaking hot as hell vents in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And actually, they believe that the area that these animals are found in is only 0.1 square miles on the whole planet Earth. And yet, they are still drastically in trouble. First off, they're in a tiny little area. And honestly, there could be a natural disaster that happens and it could literally wipe off all of these snails in an instant, like an earthquake or a really bad tsunami or heck, even just the movement of the continental plates all of a sudden could shut down these thermal vents and all of a sudden the snails lose the food source that they rely on so much. However, that's not actually the thing that is causing them so much issues right now. As you guessed, it's people. The number one thing, and it's kind of with all sea creatures, is the natural warming of the waters, you know, with all the microplastics and all the pollution that's going into the waterways. It is affecting animals even at the bottom of the ocean. And it seems kind of weird to think that, well, they like hot water. Why would the warming affect them so much? But you forget they were designed to kind of live in a certain degree of water. They can survive very hot temperatures, but if those temperatures keep increasing, it's going to push them further and further away from that hot water and thus further, further away from possible nutrients that they need to survive. So that's issue number one. Issue number two is you might have heard me talk about the minerals and all the stuff coming out of the volcanoes, which doesn't seem like too much of a big deal, but it is to us. It is a trillion dollar industry, actually. This industry, of course, being the fact that those minerals, uh, for the most part, is lithium, cobalt, zinc, things that we love to use and need to use to make batteries. So it is also very ironic that one of the things that we think is going to lead to a greener planet is these more efficient batteries for electric cars, uh, longer life in our phones, 
and all that is actually the mineral that is causing the possible destruction of these snails home and the reason being is ocean mining now ocean mining hasn't been perfected and they're still trying to figure out exactly how they can get so oh much of those minerals off of the bottom of the ocean floor in a more cost-effective way because it currently takes a lot of money and a lot of effort to bring all that sort of stuff up. There are a number of different methods that seem to be tossed around on how the best way of going about mining in such deep sea conditions. However, none of them are really ecologically sound, which is why for the most part, any sort of conservation actions being taken against it is preventing it, that even in these barren wastelands, as a lot of people may refer to them, where a lot of these minerals may be, there is still life and very specific life sometimes to that region. Of course, this isn't just localized for the uh, scaly foot gastropods, of course. This is something that is being done all across the ocean in very specific spots, normally in volcanic activity areas since that's where a lot of these good minerals seem to be uh, hanging out at. But the problem with the scaly foot gastropod is it is probably one of the most localized species that this is going to affect due to it only being on those four vents. Now, the problem is two of those four vents are slated for deep sea mining. Like I said, deep sea mining hasn't really taken effect yet because the technology isn't quite there, but it is going to be there very soon which is why so many conservationists are trying to get regulations and making it harder for mining to happen in these areas where very selective species can survive and literally a mining operation completely wiping them out, which is actually why they currently list the scaly foot gastropod as the first real specimen that is endangered due to the threat of deep sea mining, because as soon as that activity takes place and it's such a localized area, even if it's happening to these two vents, who knows about anything else that might be happening in that region, it could completely wipe out scaly foot gastropods from this earth, which if you need a bigger reason besides the loss of a species, there is so much that we could learn from it. This animal literally lives in an area that most of our technology couldn't even survive in. With that high water pressure and those extreme heats, there is a lot that we could learn from this animal, or just the fact that it is able to biologically use iron sulfide and build biologically its own armor. This is crazy. The amount of technology you can gain just by studying this species from better bulletproof vests or stronger cars using less material or even going to space with stronger alloy for rocket building or even maybe how it has the ability to have a lightweight iron shell for the use of better spacesuits. Making this snail at the bottom of the ocean possibly a untapped scientific revelation that could help further space exploration, which is why I feel like the scaly foot gastropod, or my favorite term for it, the volcano snail, to be so out of this world.
And that's it. That's our first animal, the scaly foot gastropod. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it. Um, please make sure that if you have any comments, leave them normally in the descriptions below. Uh, currently, that's about the only way to communicate. If you like it, if you don't dislike it for me, if that changes in future episodes, I'll make sure to keep you guys all up to date. Also, please make sure that you hit the subscribe um, just because I don't really have any sort of timeline or schedule with this kind of thing yet. So that'll probably be the best source if you want to know if there's a new episode or not and probably a lot easier than just checking back all the time. But thanks for listening to Eric Likes Animals. I'll see you guys next time.